I am super excited about today's episode because I found my brother from another mother in another country. My friend Jonathan joins us on today's episode. Jonathan is just one of those amazing men that get the no-fluff marketing approach. That's what he even named his Facebook group. He has been doing this for 12 years. He has had crazy success owning a software company, being responsible for booking 500,000 appointments through digital media. And he's a high-level marketing strategist that understands how to play the long game in business and how to make it easy for people to build and scale a business by doing digital marketing the right way. So I'm going to shut up now because we have some fun in today's episode. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Mind of George show. This is a free-for-all Friday episode where just about anything can happen. I've had business leaders come on and share insider industry secrets. I've had monks and hypnotherapists come on, talk about mindset, discipline, the subconscious, and even swearing at me, which I never thought I would hear from a monk. Plus, I've had hours of spilling my deepest thoughts, fears, ideas, and everything in between the earlobes in my mind of George. But you can find all the episodes at mindofgeorge.com, and you never know what can happen on a free-for-all Friday. But one thing that can be guaranteed is it will either be eye-opening groundbreaking, or at the very least, entertaining. So let's open our minds and get into the show. Welcome to another episode of The Mind of George Show, where I pretend to have a radio voice on a free-for-all Friday before I interview a new dear friend of mine. Um, And I say friend because I feel like I found my long-lost brother in a different country that thinks like I think, feels like I feel, values the same things that I do, and quite frankly, actually gives a shit about people when it comes to marketing and help people achieve their goals and achieve their business. So I have my friend Jonathan, and I should have known like right from the beginning, he calls it no fluff marketing, he takes the same approach as me, and quite frankly, we rag on the same crap that happens across the industry, and I love connecting with people that put the heart back in marketing, but not from some spammy, scammy, let me snake oil you, but like, hey, this is how you apply it to a business and actually build and run a profitable business to have a bigger impact. And so without further ado, I would love to welcome my friend Jonathan Dussault. So Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, buddy. It is an absolute pleasure and a privilege to be on here. I'm very much in my happy place. Thanks, man. Yeah, man, I love it. I, I always hate interviewing people with accents because I all I always lose the cool points like right off the bat and you're going to take over the episode. So I'm okay with that though. I'm I'm coming to terms that I either have to go to acting school or I just have to accept that this is this is my voice and I didn't grow up in another country. <laughs> I was just thinking as you were introducing me there, if this uh, marketing gig, well, I know you're sort of immersed in the entrepreneurial world and you're bloody good at it. So it will work out. But if it never worked out in a different parallel universe, you know, you could always be engaged in authentic uh, stand up comedy, I think. Yeah, I, I like it. I think I, I have gotten some feedback because you and I laugh about some of these videos I do, this deadpan delivery, the amount of people that think I'm serious. And I can sell it and deliver it. It's actually quite alarming to me. And I was like, oh, but I've just seen so much shit in our industry. I'm just pretending to be like them all day. (laughs) So maybe I really am like a good actor. Like I'm just acting out what they do. So that's enough about me. I I do want to get into you. And so in typical George fashion, you've listened to the podcast. You probably know what the first question is. But I think it provides so much insight and context. And, And you're somebody who's been in this game for a long time. You've been working online for 12 years. I think you've generated over 500,000 appointment bookings just for health people, which is mind-blowing. And that's an amazing industry. So you've had some experience. You've been in SaaS companies. You have some membership stuff, all of it. And I would venture to say you probably have some really deep keels when it comes to lessons and things that you'll never do again. And so what I want to know is what is the biggest mistake that you've ever made in business? What did you learn from it? And then how do you operate from this point forward to prevent that from happening? That's a great question out of the bat. And yeah, I didn't know that question was coming. <laughs> um, to, I just want to just prefix this a little bit because I'm a massive fan of collaboration with the right people. <laughs> There's a caveat there with the right people. <laughs> uh, because one of the biggest mistakes I made in business, I'm a very enthusiastic and I'm very optimistic and um, a sociable type of guy, you know, as you know. But uh, when I first started out uh, back in it was my second company, 2009, the Wellness Directory. I was launching that uh, a live 
public event. Uh, I spent six months rallying speakers up for the event. And these were people I knew that, that I trusted and uh, thought, yeah, they would do a great job providing value to the audience there. And obviously the highlight would be the fact that I was launching this kick-ass online health directory to all these practitioners and therapists and light workers, you name it. And uh, what actually transpired was uh, <laughs> we had six or seven, seven, I think, seven main speakers and myself, and it was an all-day event. And um, at the end, when people were supposed to sign up for you know, the actual software and the advertising within the directory, no one signed up. No one had a clue because it, they just everyone was buzzing. Everyone loved the event. But it was info overload. There was too much. Uh, there was too much cooks uh, spoiling the marketing broth that day, and because it was a great lesson for me that if you give people too many options, it doesn't matter how good they are, brother. If you give them too many options, they'll take. <laughs> uh, so that was my launch that I've been working on for eighteen months, and uh, yeah, it, it launched badly. So, so in that, in that launch, and, and this is something I've, I've talked, I actually don't think I've talked about this on a podcast yet. And, and this might be a thread to really pull. Cause I, I know this is something that you've had experience with and you've done this with clients as well, but you know, two things that I really want to unpack from your brain. Cause I appreciate the way that you see these things is first is what you pretexted that with contextually of, you know, collaborations, believing in collaborations. And one thing is for me, what I feel like makes a collaboration quality or effective is handled expectations and tight containers. And so like clear communication, things along those lines. And so I'd love to hear kind of how you do that because you've worked in a lot of spaces and you're one of those people that's very collaborative. Like you love people and I love yeah. that about you. And, and I think the dark side of the loving people thing is that it's really easy for a lot of us to either feel taken advantage of uh, feel jaded, collect evidence or resentment, or get taken advantage of. And I think most of it real boils down to communication. So I'll unpack that one. So I would love to hear your thoughts okay. on that. Yeah. Look, uh, where do you start? I mean, I think when you're naturally an enthusiastic person mm -hmm. and you know you build off other people's energy that you feel that you're aligned with, you, you naturally just want to do things all the time and jump in and to projects together. And, you know, you trust people. And, and look, the, the reality is um, they probably are trustworthy people as well. Um, but they're just until you actually start working with collaborators and, you know, actually doing the nitty gritty in the trenches stuff, you've got no idea with kind of, you know, who you're actually working with. I kind of liken it a little bit to, you know, going out on a date and um, meeting, you know, this girl that you've been dating for months out, you know, and it's all been lovely and beautiful and, you know, and you just can't wait to move in together. <laughs> when you move in together, it's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> and and I, I kind of feel this is a similar kind of way with collaboration. So I, I, yeah, I really appreciate that question because I've changed my whole approach from mm. the way I used to do it. Now I'll reach out, I'll do certain calls, we'll work on a project together, we'll exchange some clients together or whatever, but we'll do some stuff, you know, together before we do any big uh, joint venture type projects together rather than just going, I really like you. I really like what you stand for. Let's jump in. You know, you, you mean you actually work on building a relationship and not falling in love with the <laughs> dopamine from the quote unquote relationship. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I think, I think it's really, really important, right? Like I learned this lesson a long time ago when I was in the military. Like I had this illusion at 20 years old of who I was as a man, yeah. right? 20, right? Because I was really seated and came from a broken home, made it through boot camp. I had that inflated ego. I'm like this robot killing machine. And then I'll never forget the first time I saw a bomb went off. And I was like, I am nowhere near where I thought I was. Like, I am not a tough guy. Like I am. But then when, yeah. when you get put under pressure, you know, what you lose is you lose the veils. You lose the masks, right? And masks aren't a bad thing. Veils aren't a bad thing, right? But when you're going to go into business with somebody, whether you're doing joint venture partnerships, whether you're doing influencer partnerships, right? Whether you're doing co-branded stuff, creating content together, even doing interviews like this, I think it's really, really imperative that you get to know somebody at their core. And that can only come with like time and touch points and relationships. And like, 
I don't know. Like for me, I think we did that, right? Like we bumped into each other because somebody tagged me. I think Benetti tagged me or somebody tagged me. And then you and I started DMing and then I saw your content. I was like, God, I really love what this dude's posting. Then I started engaging on your content and then you engaged on mine and then we were audio messaging and then we set up a video call and we took that call and then it led to you telling me about your program and then me reviewing it and introducing some of my people to you. And then I was like, hey, will you come on the podcast? Like it probably took a month yeah, to get here. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, because the way that I think about it, right? I'm like, okay, if something happened right now and my world ended and I just died in this moment, could you continue run the podcast <laughs> and me trust what you'd say and then publish it anyways? And I'm like, yeah. And that's kind of how I go about like having guests on here. But I think you really need to know people. And Kudos, I, I do I do have a question for you in that though, because I think there's a lot of gold in there and I'm already talking way too much on this podcast. Um, but this gets me excited. Because <laughs> I, I don't... <laughs> no, I just, can God, I just say yeah. as well about you saying that it was a month, but that whole relationship was effortless as well. You effortless. Know, when, you, when you connect with the right people, it's not, oh, I've got to send an audio here. Oh, I've got to follow up here. I've got to, you know, really make the effort here. Yeah. It's just the whole process is effortless. Totally. Well, like, I think there's like, I go on my Facebook right now and there's 17 unread messages that I've opened and marked as unread again because I'm not ready to respond to them. And then yeah. basically you can tell if like we're in a good space. Like if I'm like, yeah, responding right away, it feels easy. It doesn't feel like a chore. Like it, it doesn't feel transactional. It just feels authentic. And, yeah. you know, I think there was even one point you sent me an audience. I'm like, hey, man, I don't have time to listen to the audio right now. I'll get back to you. And like just being authentic. But yeah, it feels it feels really easy. But I actually think that's a good thread to pull on this one. Um, with that, though, you know, you've been in this game for a long time. You're about collaboration. You're about knowing people. Yeah, I think something you said is really imperative is that you get to figure out who people are, but also how do you look at being able to say no and understanding, you know, when it's a good time to say yes, when it's a good time to say no, because, you know, relationships happen for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And, you know, your barometer is typically pretty accurate. So like, how do you navigate that? Because there's a lot of times I've said no, but it was like a no right now, not a no forever. But yeah. How do you go about weighing that? Because there's umpteen opportunities to do JV partnerships, to work with influencers, Ooh, yeah. to have somebody <laughs> buy my product or somebody do a shout out, but there's only certain yeah. ones that will actually help you. And so how do you navigate that? Mate, the same way you navigate it, it's called gut intuition. Mm. And, you know, people either align with our core values and we either have a good feeling in our gut and, you know, we feel like we energetically align with that person or not. I mean, there, I get I get messages all the time from people and they sound nice and, you know, and then, then they've got an, a product opportunity and that's great as well. But I always come back to that and I go, well, look, if I wanted to work with that person, would they be the messages that I would have wanted to receive from that person, those first three or four messages, would that be the ideal person that I'd want to work with? So I kind of try and look at it a bit sort of retrospectively in the present um, and just then just align with my gut feeling as well. Yeah. Wow. That's, you know, I, I, I love that. I love that. Right. Um, because that in that moment, like they're reaching out to you cold and like, Hey man, love to connect. What do you do? That's my favorite one, yep. by the way. I'm like, yep. you added me as a fucking friend. What are you asking me what I do for, right? <laughs> I love that one. And then, yeah, yeah, but then, beautiful. you know, what's funny is I'll respond with that. And I, I, I've said this before. I'm like, well, you added me as a friend, right? So I'm not yeah. going to answer that question, but why did you want to connect? And typically the answer to that one determines where I go. And I've had quite right. a few of them be like, you know what? You just showed up in the recommended friends and we have a ton of mutual friends that I have no clue what you do, but I'm super interested. I'm like, I can respond to that. Like you were honest yeah. with me. Like, and, and then I, I love the fluffy ones. Well, I saw that you were into, I'm like, that's not me, man. Like I didn't got Forex, no Bitcoin, no, no, none of that <laughs> stuff here. Um, but yeah. I, I think yeah. that's a really, really good, good understanding um, yeah. to have and to carry forward. Like when we think about, collaborations we think about business everything we're doing is collaboration everything collaboration with team influencers totally, even our customers like we collaborate yeah. with our customers every day totally. and so totally. i i love it and i'm summarizing but i love the fact that you look at it through this barometer lens of like god if if i was working with this person would i want that message to go out or would i want them to talk to my team like that or to respond to a customer service inquiry like that or get interviewed on a podcast like that and not that and on that note, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, 
But on that note, while you're saying that, it just popped into my mind. I have to get this out of my head, otherwise it's gone like uh, Harry Houdini. Um, but, you know, it's when you talk about collaboration, I used to collaborate with everyone. Now I've got probably uh, a core team of 12 collaborators, joint mm -hmm. venture partners. Like if this was me 12 years ago, that would probably be triple that. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd be wasting a lot of energy and time and spinning a lot of uh, wheels working out who you know who's the best person to approach but i want to just say because we do have collaborators everywhere like you eloquently put buddy and you know i think a lot of it comes down to are people talking to you like a business or are they talking to you like a human being first and foremost and that that for me is imperative and i think about some of the partners that i've accrued just in the last 12 months one of the partners over in california a guy called cody um you know we connected on Facebook. The guy sent me four audio messages, um, just telling me what he does, talk, talking about what I do. What I do wasn't offering, asking for anything, but just, just without want, just introducing himself and connecting on that human level. And you know, when someone does that, they stand out like a beautiful sore thumb, and you can't help but go you know what, this man is one cool dude. I've got to send some audios back. And it was similar connection with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I I absolutely, absolutely love that. And you know what's funny is like we talk about, and you and I see the world very similarly when it comes to relationships, when it comes to all of this. And, you know, for everybody listening, like I'm not like, oh, you're damned if you, you know, send a message like, hey, what do you do? But I look at it more of like a missed opportunity to improve upon the silence. Right. Like, like yeah. you just said, like we, we unfortunately live in a world and, and the jury's out on like what I blame in this. Right. But we live in a world where transactions tend to be the currency, right? How many eyeballs yeah. can I get? How many touch yeah. points can I get? Whether they're negative or positive, it's like, you know, I'll send a hundred messages out today to get one response that one might close. And, and my brain is yeah. always like, but what about the 99 no's and what that's going to do? to like your reputation to, you know, how people talk about when you come up in a conversation. And so, yeah, it's really refreshing. It's really refreshing to hear, but you know, I went through a similar thing. So I'd love to hear your process on this because you said it, but you know, for me four years ago as an entrepreneur, my, my vision of an entrepreneur is how can I get more people to know who I am and like me with as much width and minimum depth as required. And so I was like, I'm collaborating with everybody. I own this. I'm consulting this. I, yeah. and, and it was like, I had a Rolodex of bullshit to spit at you. And you asked me what I did. Uh, yeah. and all of it lacked everything. But you said, you know, like a couple years ago, you would have been, you know, in 36 or 48 or 72 and you were collecting quantity, but yeah. now you collect quality. So like, first off, like what was the hardest part about that transition and how did you go about it? And like, now how do you measure where that fits in to make sure that it's hitting your KPIs. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'll kind of answer that sort of back to front a little bit. I mean, yeah. let's start with the, the successful JVs that I have. You know, we just, it's very clear. It's very structured. It's very, the expectations are very clear on, you know, what we're going to do for each other. Yeah, there's a little bit of paperwork involved, but it's minimum. Um, and it's kind of like, well, you know, our core values align. We're going to do this. Um, love it if you can help us with this, like gifts for each other and all that sort of lovely stuff. And, you know, and, that, and that's, that's the difference between um, energetically aligning with a successful JV partner as opposed to just aligning with a name or, you know, just focusing on quantity over quality here. Um, and now going back to your other question about sort of how did, how did I sort of shrink that number? Well, that just came through just um, mistakes and uh, mm -hmm. spending my time in the wrong place, spending my energy in the wrong place, trying to align with people that weren't a good fit for me. And interestingly, you asked that, brother, because 12 months ago, I sort of set out on this journey and I scrapped all my business connections, scrapped all of them, because all I was doing was spinning my wheels, going to you know, different people, wasting time, wasting energy on, you know, projects that weren't working out as well as they should have done. And so I scrapped all my connections and I just started again. I just literally started again and just, cause I accepted that part of that was me as well. Mm -hmm. um, and how I was relating to people and how I was showing up and um, how that initial kind of relationship, you know, wasn't working. So yeah, I, I think 
again, it comes down to what you asked at the start. You have to make those mistakes to kind of go, well, I either keep having more of this nonsense and BS and we, you know, we say nice things to each other but get very little done or I just reinvent actually what I really truly want and work with the people that I envisage that are going to help me get to where I need to. Yeah, man, I, I think that that's pivotal. And so I've been through something similar, right? And, you know, yeah. you, you did this, you were like, okay, cool. It sounds like what you did is like, you're like, I got to audit what's here. And you got to a point where you're like, okay, this is exhausting. I have no idea. And you were like clean slate and then being very intentional. But I imagine that you went through a period or I can only speak for myself, but I, I'm going to ask if this rings true because I would love your perspective yep. on this. I did a similar thing. I deleted my phone number, changed my email, and then I went through a period of like, what the hell am I supposed to do with my time? And on paper, I know like, oh, I should write that email. I should launch this course. But my day was so filled with just attention or dopamine or validation or things along those lines. Like I went through, it felt like a detox. And then I was actually nervous on like bringing relationships in And so I would love to hear your thoughts of like, once you did that, like, what were you looking for? Did you do like an audit of like, okay, because it sounds like you did an audit and you're like, I'm starting scratch, right? Like, like a social media detox, a business connections detox. But then once you were through that though, what did you start to look for? Like, how did you structure your day? What did you look like? Like, and, and and strategically, because I think it's really important because you are successful what you do and you, you manage a lot of relationships really, really well. Um, But one of the fears I had was, well, if I get rid of all these relationships or if I'm not watering them, then I'm not going to make any money or succeed, even though on paper, I wasn't making any money or succeeding with them in the first place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally hear that. (laughs) It's a big uh, leap of faith rather Mm. to uh, get rid of contacts that are not serving you. It's a bit like getting rid of friends, you know, so-called friends that aren't serving you as well as, you know, the the person you are and the person you're becoming. Uh, But I I think what I will say is it's a good soul cleanse, (laughs) having a good push and, you know, knocking them out. But in terms of like structuring the different structure, that's a really good question as well, mate, because I think at that point, was it 12, 18 months now? Let me just think. Where are we? We're in 2020. Yeah, we yeah, are. Um, I think so. <laughs> it was about 18 months ago. And um, I, yeah, totally restructured the way I was doing everything in business. Um, and um, I wasn't at that time working on like three-hour intensive blocks in my business. I, I'd read everything like the one thing, the 12-hour work week and, you know, um, uh, not the 12-hour work the 12 week. Hour the 12-hour work Hold on, <laughs> four-hour work week, um, but the twelve-week year um, by Brian Moran, and um, all of that stuff was sitting in there, but I was, still wasn't acting. So at, at that time, it was taking action on a lot of that, being more efficient, and actually creating collaboration-intensive work blocks as well. Because look, you you get what you put your energy on. You know, you mm-hmm. get the quality of what you get is um, that is proportional to the amount of energy you put into it so if you're not going to really bother putting much into collaborations you're not really going to bother showing up on camera on lives or from your facebook group or wherever it is then you're just going to get this sort of um yeah meh, so-so type kind of result so i was actually putting three hour blocks in at least three times a week to build relationships with uh, like-minded, similar core values, those those types of people that just basically have a similar type audience, but they resonate with me on a human level. And a lot of it in the early days was just really jumping on calls and actually just kind of jamming on what we're doing now and um, you know, talking about our visions and what we want to do in business because I think we, we lose that. Like we, we forget about our actual core purpose. You know, let's, mm. let's not forget our collaborators need to align with our core purpose and who we really are and what we really want. Look, I appreciate that. Not everyone knows that. <laughs> um, but I do urge people to work on that because that's the only way we're going to attract the type of people that are going to be valuable to us and vice versa. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, what it sounds like is like you you look at, you did this audit, you cleaned all this stuff out 18 months ago and you had this like empty slate and you're like, okay, cool. 
I know collaboration is powerful, right? But what I also know is that the 76 people I was, I was hoarding potential with, right? Yeah. That's what it sounds like. That's something I did. Like we hoard potential to avoid the actualization of success or like what we could be focusing on. Cause we're like, Oh, this might go, or this might go, or this might go. And I'm like, eh, there's a lot of, you might die today. You know, there's a whole lot yeah. of like mites and that's a lesson that I had to learn. But now what it sounds like is you came out and you're like, okay, cool. If I'm going to do this relationship thing, if I'm going to do this collaboration thing, I'm going to be intentional about it, right? And and as our, you know, my dear friend, Ali Sharfin say, it's process, structure, routine, process, yeah. structure, routine. And it's no different. You have to water the plant that you plant, right? You have to attend to it. You have to care for it. And it sounds like you were intentional. You created these blocks and you're like, okay, three hours a week or one hour a week or 20 minutes a day. All I'm doing in that time is going to water the garden, right? I'm either going to plant a seed. I'm going to go ask them if I can eat one of their strawberries or I'm going to water what I'm growing to help it realize its potential. And it sounds like it's paid off dividends. Yeah. And it, you, but you, like you said, it's the word intention is yeah. absolutely paramount there. You have to have that intention. Otherwise, you're just going to be kind of in that reactive sort of state rather than that proactive state, which is absolute essential to success in any business. And I actually set up the, and I, I don't know if you've done the similar thing with your podcast, but I set up the no fluff marketing show to be a branch of that sort of strategy side of thing you talked about, um, you know, process structure strategy. So the strategy side was, you know, no fluff marketing show was part of that to collaborate with people mm -hmm. first and foremost, um, but also to obviously then provide, provide value as well. So I don't know if was that similar type of thing that you do. Yeah. You know, I, you I started my show because my wife's like, you talk too much. And if you don't start talking more at work, this isn't going to work anymore. <laughs> right? right. Like, <laughs> I, I'd wanted to I'd wanted to start a yeah. podcast for nine years, and um, Travis right. Chappelle and I talked about this on an episode recently. And I was too busy collecting the fun stuff with doing it, right? Like buying the microphone instead of actually just doing it, like picking up my phone, pick uh. up an audio thing. And so, when the world went crazy, I was basically given an ultimatum by my team and my wife to hold me accountable to what I told them I wanted to do nine years ago. And so then right. I was like, boom. And then I will say, though, like Brad Costanz and I, who will be coming on the show soon, talk about this a lot. You know, podcasts are one of the best tools in the world for creating connection, meeting people, serving them. And quite frankly, I've had a few people I've interviewed, and these interviews are not published, and they will never be published because how they are on one space versus when I get them interviewed are completely different. And that's fine, right? And I was like, hey, this just doesn't fit. Thanks for coming on the show. Let me know how I can support you. That episode is not going live. And now <laughs> all of you listening are going to be driven nuts to yeah. know who it was I interviewed that didn't get published. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a marketing lesson from Jonathan I on the Zygarnik effect. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, it, I think it's really yeah. powerful, man. I, I, when you say intention, and actually I'm going to close this loop all the way back to the business, beginning of your biggest mistake – um, because what you're talking about in intention, like you created that space, then you realize like, I'm going to fill this space. I'm going to be intentional about these relationships, what I build in my business, launching my podcast, which intention really just requires some level of clarity of where you want to go. But then you said totally. the other mistake in the business was giving people way too many choices. And I think there's two sides to that coin. I think the yeah. first side is us creating way too many choices for our customers because we don't really know where we want them to go or we don't really believe that we can deliver the results yeah that are promised where we want them to go yeah it's good man and so you know for you one of the mistakes you made was giving people too many choices so you know the answer of that the inverse of that is obviously we'll give them one and a clear path right and so yeah. after that launch and after you learned that lesson where did you dive into that to realize, okay, like obviously you learned some big lessons around that, right? And then what was the mm -hmm. adjustment and the pivot made? And then where did you go from that point to figure out like the next steps? Yeah. Um, just before I go into that, I just want to say you, you know, two sides there. You're right. Because, you know, and especially that latter one, um, you didn't, you know, you don't think you can deliver those results. Well, I don't know if it was so much that, but there was a deep, it was, if I look back now retrospectively, again, it's, there was a deep insecurity about the fact that I could do it on my own and um, be enough <laughs> with, with one service, one advertising service in the health industry. So what did I do? Let's create a value bonanza instead and get so many others <laughs> in. So, 
and then completely dilute the whole message of the day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm totally with you, but it's, there's an insecurity attached to that second one, which is absolutely fantastic. You nailed it. Um, but what I did differently from them was, well, what I'd hope most people would do. Okay. Well, it didn't work having lots of speakers in now I do it myself. And what I have fell out from that afterwards was a period of five years. I ran about 20 of my own marketing business workshops over here in New Zealand, up and down the country, and they were way more successful. And um, But it was a great lesson because it taught me that actually, you no, know, you can actually provide the value that those other speakers would um, offering on the day and you can do it better. <laughs> and uh, how many times do we see that in business where we go, oh, I don't know, they can probably do it better or, or I don't think I'm quite enough to, you know, um, do that. So I'll leave that out. And, you know, the, the majority of the time and the audience that you're serving, you know, more than enough, you have more than enough skill and experience and value to really provide them. And so it was a really good lesson, buddy. And from there that went from strength to strength. Yeah. Have you ever um, listened to the book uh, or read the book Winning Through Intimidation by Robert Ringer? Winning through intimidation. Let me go through my book. No, like, well, uh, I don't think I have. I, don't I, I just I started. I just started it today. Somebody recommended it, and it's funny because I read the title. I'm like, I am not reading this book. I am not. And in the intro of the book, he talks about how nobody would buy the book because of that. But it really talks about not believing the insecurities and the stories, and the winning through intimidation is. Uh, knowing that you're going to be intimidated by insecurity in the world, but yet win and work through it anyways. And it's this really powerful concept. The way that he positioned it is, is really good. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think, I think with what you're saying and the latter for me, like, I don't know what to call that insecurity. It's come up a lot, right? I've had imposter syndrome galore. I've had yep. a, who am I to say I've had the, well, I created all those results for other people, but not myself. Like, yeah. It's, you know yeah. what? It's funny. Yeah. All of us have it and it's just a different fucking wrapping paper, like <laughs> suit that fits. And all of us just need to tell the shit, sit the shit down and like, shut up. Right. And, yeah. and you nailed it. Yeah. Like what, what you did is you, you went through this time, you did a social audit, you had this launch that didn't work. You came out and you're like, all right, cool. I'm in charge of my success. Right. And if I'm intentional about my time and I pick away at it over and over and over again, and I keep choosing to learn and to iterate and to learn and to iterate, you end up where you are now. Yeah. And what I love too, yeah. and, and I catch this in how you talk a lot. I catch this in how you talk. It sounds like you have a lot of grace for yourself now. Right. And, and I think grace as an entrepreneur is, you know, success isn't like, oh, I nailed this home run. Success is how many times am I willing to try until I figure out the winning combination? Spot on, buddy. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's a lesson that, I, you know, I haven't wanted to learn nor accept because I'm like, don't you know who I am? Like, come on. I do it better than everybody. Why can't I just have a $28 million launch on day one with no audience and no product and no results, right? Like, I've had those yeah. actual thoughts and fears. But I love yeah. that, like... And the name that you have, by the way, with no fluff marketing is, you know, so perfect. Born out of frustration. Well, well, with all of it, right? Because, yeah, you know, what, what you know I, who I'm talking about. As well. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. A, a I'm not, I'm not ready to lynch the entire industry by name yet, but they're starting to come out piece by piece. They're starting to get dropped yeah. here. Um, we can just telepathically do it through this. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think if Jonathan and I just pause in silence and I just say scammy, slimy, incongruent marketing and we sit here quietly you'll figure out who we're talking about yeah high p noisy the list is still yeah. going right yeah it's long yeah. it's yeah. long right yeah. so pick your pick your poison but what i love about that is so you you have this you have the same thing you are on this thing you realize that you can do it just as good and and what i think is powerful about that like all of us like there's there's original stuff right but not that much like i was a food yeah. blogger and everyone's like you know, like I made up that. I'm like, you didn't make up banana bread. Somebody made that shit up 2000 years ago. Stop claiming you invented banana bread. We're just literally putting our spin on somebody else's creation. But I think that's what's powerful. And what I love about you that is, is powerful. You, yeah. you have a heart, you have this concept, you understand marketing, you understand humans, and then you apply your no fluff approach to it. Right. And you help people. You, you really were like out of frustration, no more bullshit you know, cut the fluff. I don't care about how many trials you can get. I don't care about, you know, how many eyeballs you can get. Like what I care about and what I think you embody is like, how many results can you create? 
and yeah, and how a, many lives can you actually change? By yeah, actually, as not not as a statistic or a data data point. Actually, how many people can you actually improve? And you know, as a person and as a business. Yeah, well, um, and I, well, that's what I wanted to ask you a question about because you help a lot of companies, a lot of entrepreneurs, with yep. memberships, with helping serve their clients with whatever. And in my world, I've seen one of two, when I help companies like that, I see one of two options. Either nobody's buying the membership or everybody's buying and canceling. Yeah. And so this is your area. And so when we think about this, like when we think about businesses in particular that serve customers, like what are the biggest mistakes that you see them make when it comes to everything we've been talking about, but in this delivering results, making a difference in their life? What are the biggest mistakes that you see and like how do you recommend people go about either auditing it, fixing it, plugging it, or doing something to make sure that we're not burning bridges and we're delivering on our promises? Totally, brother. Um, the first one is real simple. It's people are just guessing what they think their audience wants. Mm-hmm. They're guessing. They're, it's kind of like that, well, this sounds cool. This person is doing it. Let's just do a version of that and let's get rich just like the other person. It's absolute BS and you, you, you <laughs> and I both know that. But, you know, your audience has total different set of needs, different situation, different emotional needs, different everything, <laughs> different um, stages of their you know, business and life journey. So the only way to know exactly what your audience needs right now is to ask them. (laughs) And so many people don't do it. It's incredible. People just set this up thinking it's a great idea. Or they'll do the next worst mistake, which is ask a handful of people. And they tend to be friends or they tend to be their their best type of client that's going to say, yes, anyway, that's lovely. Go for it. And then they spend the next six, 12 months, you know, procrastinating over a service or membership or a a program or whatever it is, you know, and uh, setting something up that their audience doesn't even probably want or need at that point. What do you feel like the biggest reason people don't ask the right people for feedback is? Uh, another really good question, buddy. Uh, I know you'd ask lots of good questions today. Uh, <laughs> that's what your show is all about, isn't it? The quality of the questions. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I think a lot of it is down to the fact that um, there is this kind of ego in business mm-hmm. in that we, we know what our audience wants. There is a part of that. And we kind of, we're the expert, we know what our audience wants kind of nonsense. Um, the other part of it is that people just don't like to ask questions. Um, you know, and, and you see that. And certainly with a lot of clients I work with, and I ask them, yeah, have you sent out a formulated email type thing, you know, to get some real quality feedback from your service, your program, or what you're doing right now? Oh, no, I haven't thought about that. Well, why not? That should be the first thing you should be doing after, like, literally, as soon as someone praises you, or as soon as someone says, this is really cool, or a light bulb goes off, or wow, this is the best thing I've tried um, this year, that is a feedback moment that you have to be asking for. And in fact, even better than that, should be automated into some sort of sequence that goes out to clients, you know, like products do, product companies do that well, but service-based businesses don't do it well. So I think there is this kind of fear or reluctance to ask people, you know, what perceived uncomfortable questions, which actually people love to give anyway, they love to give feedback. Yeah, I, I, and I asked you this intentionally because this is something I've worked through a lot, right? And it's like funny because you, you can hear all the hyperbole of like quote unquote success coaches, but if you listen to what's underneath it, what it is over and over again is like, I got feedback, I got feedback, I got feedback, I got feedback, I improved, right. I iterated, I improved, I iterated. And I something know. I struggled with immensely for a long time, and I feel like you might have as well, especially given that launch, was that. I looked at the feedback like it was who I was, not how I played the play. Yeah. And I think I've spent a lot of time being able to now differentiate between how I played the entire game versus how I played for one second in the game. Right. Love it. And I've equated it. I'm not even a sports fan, but like I equated it to like, you know, American football or basketball, right? Like if I miss a shot, I don't quit. I'm not like, oh, don't tell me I missed the shot. Like I know, I know I missed the damn shot. How can I not miss it again? (laughs) That's penciled in. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, but I think, 
I think it's so imperative because what you and I talk about so much when it comes to business and marketing is relationships, right? And the success of our customer is directly tied to the depth of the relationship we create to both understand where they are, where they need to go, and then how we're going to get them there while they feel safe enough to execute on that vision. Yeah. And I've fallen into the trap you just described where it's like, well, I know I'm the best. I did this with this company. And like even in the last couple of weeks, I've had more momentum and clarity in my business by being like, I have no fucking clue. Can you help me? <laughs> That's beautiful, isn't it? When you uh, can just well, admit like, to it. Yeah. Well, like I've, I've asked you and I'm like, hey, can you give me feedback? Like, what do you think about this? And like I have like eight coaches in my corner every day. Like, and yeah, there's plenty of times I don't open their audio messages because I don't want the feedback. And then I open it and they're like, you're amazing. I'm like, oh, I should open this sooner, right? Um, yeah. But I think it's really, really important because what you talked about is like the first step for everybody when it comes to marketing being effective or your business or your service or your product is being in a relationship with your customers. It is interesting, isn't it? Because the irony is we're empowering them to give us feedback and building that connection by doing it as well. So it's yeah, it's it's like and what what's nuts to me is I just don't understand why people think that like you shouldn't like somehow you're going to benefit by not having a relationship with a customer potential customer or like yeah they're going to go recommend me to all their friends because I ignored their emails or I told them <laughs> they were wrong when they told me my product didn't work or that it was their fault. Like yeah, it's, it's yeah. mind blowing. So first thing you'd recommend is, yeah. is ask. So like deepen your relationship with your customers, ask them open-ended questions, ask for feedback, like okay. share things before they launch with them and, and get their direct feedback. Ask them what the experience is like, how could you make it easier for them? Like those are things that are there. Okay. And then yeah. that's number one. Then what's the next step for people? They ask, they get really clear, really connected. They get that feedback, right? And then it's yeah. like, all right, cool, Jonathan. They told me these 74 things that I have to do. And I'm like, I can't do all 74 of these at once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> completely, buddy. Completely. Um, I think what you've got to do is you've got to see patterns, trends, um, you know, look for that uh, in the responses. And um, I think you've got to be very clever with the way that you ask the questions as well, because you like open-ended, sure, but some close-ended there as well, just to really make sure that, you know, when you get your your chart from all the data you've got back, you can actually see, you know, the trend and um, where to follow. Um, so yeah, deciphering the data is definitely a challenge. So you, the, the, the quality of the question is uh, very important there. Um, if we're just talking about bringing a new product or program to market, uh, if it's getting testimonials from people, that's really easy. I've got four proven fantastic questions that can go out to people and generate a, you know, absolutely world class video monial. Do you know what? Um, do you know what those are off the, the top of your head? Uh, it's just really taking them through the before, during, and after journey. It's like what would have stopped you, you know, from using this type of product or service before? Uh, you know, what was the one thing that you know, um, has really impacted your business and life and, um, how, how then has, what changes have you seen from that? Um, and, um, how has that emotionally made you feel and why? And then just, would you recommend us? <laughs> well, obviously be a yes, but would you recommend <laughs> us to other services? Now you put that in a video format and, but that's what people are looking for. They're looking for that journey aren't they which you know, you know you're a master at is they're looking for that before during after journey and as soon as they get that and they, it ticks all those objections in their head the internal dialogue that's going through people's head when they're on a website or yeah but to the, uh, that video does you know does the job so um again it's strategic structural um you know, make our lives easier but yeah so we get the feedback for the program buddy um and then we've got something to work with right now uh we're in beta well beta we're actually doing a pilot run of our own uh all-in-one website landing page and course builder software here at oba uh we feel it's going to be a real healthy addition to the e-learning space as it is right now because there's a lot of fantastic courses um course software out there they do a great job don't get me wrong but there aren't many that do it well with the whole marketing and the whole holistic type um landing page tools um ease of use course building software and that sort of stuff with a community so um, we're really excited for that buddy but the reason i brought that up is to sort of because you know we're going through that pilot run process so 
we've been doing that now for seven weeks. <laughs> you know, we, we didn't just create a piece of software and launch it out there and go, hey, payers, payers half price and, um, you know, you get a great deal because you're one of our first 10 users or whatever. Um, and then for them to come back a month later and go, oh, this didn't work for me, this didn't work for me now, price really isn't important. Um, so we've had like 50 about 50 users go through over seven weeks. All we've done is we've set up a, a real intimate Facebook support group with myself and my business partner here. And we've said, we've just been onto them basically twice a week saying, how's it going? Do you need any support? What's, what have you noticed? What's working well? What's not working? Um, and all of that is just invaluable kind of feedback, you know, qualitative data that we can actually use then when we do launch at the end of this month, finally. Um, and we can be 95% because you're never 100%, but 95% confident that the launch is going to go well and there's going to be people that are going to actually, you know, enjoy using it. And I'm going to I'm gonna make a sweeping assumption here, but I think it's probably yep. there. When you say confidence, I, I think it's really easy, you know, for entrepreneurs, business owners to stay stuck for too long because they want more evidence that it's going to work. But when you say confidence... I think what, and my sweeping assumption is that you mean confidence and that you're going to be able to get a person to their after state and then improve upon the process or the software as you go. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, and yeah, yeah. Cause like, I think, I think there's so much to be learned about entrepreneurship just through SaaS companies alone or for those like SaaS as software as a service, but you know, like tech iterations, you know, the agile model, software services, things like that. Like yeah. the, the iPhone, for an example, like I would never use an original iPhone, but I will sure as shit use the one I have now. And I did use that one because it gave me ease of use and simplicity, but then they iterate and they iterate and they iterate. And I think that that's one of the biggest lessons we can learn from SaaS companies that, that you do. Like talking about this, like you just said it, like you're offering a solution right now, Course Commander, you know, it's a website builder. I think it's a landing page builder. Um, it, what was it? Oh, and Course Builder all in one, yep. right? And so you're like, I have this idea. You've been on all the platforms, you know, they exist. You're like, oh yeah, here it is. And then you build it and then you're like, hey, can we show you? What does this look like? How does this feel? What could we do differently? Has this worked for you? Are there any sticking points? And then you iterate and you get to a point where it sounds like you're confident that the end user or your ideal customer could achieve the desired results. Maybe not perfectly, but they could achieve it pretty close. Yeah. Then you launch and then you use that money to fund and iterate and continue to research yeah. that platform. Yeah, beautifully articulated, brother. And well, that's I, exactly what it is. Well, yeah, and I think too, and the reason... The reason I say that is because like when you think about a course, when you think about a physical product, when you think about a digital product, even if you think about a webinar, I think we should look at them the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that, and that's that that's it. Your SaaS are a great it, like you said, it's a great example um, where, you know, business doesn't really connect with humans, isn't it? Because you know, you, you've used so many SaaS products and we've spent probably hundreds of thousands of marketing dollars on SaaS products where we've just felt like another number or statistic. Um, we haven't used the software to its full potential and we've kind of come away feeling a little bit you know, blur because we didn't really get any value from, we didn't get any education, we didn't get any sort of customer touch points or we didn't actually feel like we were customer in a kind of service to um, business type, you know, scenario. So uh, there, there is a, I, I feel there's a great opportunity and, and that, that kind of knocks down to memberships as well for service-based businesses mm -hmm. right now to do it differently, do it better, be more intimate with those lower ticket type customers uh, that you can nurture into higher ticket customers. Or if you're not wanting to nurture customers, then just, pivoting you know increasing um your revenue each month just by amalgamating the existing resources that you've got and having a leverageable online membership products that existing customers would happily pay for right now well um, yeah there's so much opportunity there yeah and well i think there's a ton of opportunity so let's go back because i think this is important yeah there's a ton of opportunity i think i think 99% of business owners, entrepreneurs, or people that have a product or a service could benefit from having a membership, right? But what mm -hmm. I think is really important is to understand that that membership has to serve a purpose and it's not a one-day purpose or a one-month purpose, right? So like when you think about that, you have a lot of experience here. What are the 
mistakes that people make and what should they really focus on? Like if they want to launch a membership platform or if they have one and they want to tweak it, like where do you see the biggest fall off and then how do you improve upon that so that they can serve their customer and then serve their business to make it bigger? Great question, buddy. Great question. It, and it's a unique blend of automation and human interaction, which makes the, you know, makes up the best type of membership experience. So biggest kind of mistake that a lot of businesses will make is they'll go, okay, great. I'll just chuck in a load of templates, a couple of videos, and um, just offer this at 9797 a month to existing customers and everyone will be happy and they'll keep paying me. No. That doesn't work. It doesn't cut it. Uh, what we should be thinking about is, okay, well, how can I create kind of a low-level type coaching, not but not with you doing it so much in a one-to-one capacity, but in a one-to-many capacity um, for that $197 membership. So absolutely have the PDF templates and have the video resources and software if you've got it that you know customers wouldn't be able to access elsewhere. Um, but at the same time, you have to have that human input as well. So there has to be some type of community around that. And if there's no community, people aren't going to stay because people stay for the community, but they sign up for the products. So if you're looking at your customer lifetime value, you know, you're looking at probably th- three months or less if you haven't got that community on average. I think first, thank you for making that point. Um, and I think one of the distinctions that I've learned, especially when it comes to membership and service-based models, is that um, it's really easy to get disillusioned that they're buying for you or that you're the answer. Yeah. And, and the truth is, is that if that thought process is there, like, oh, they're buying for access to me or they're buying for this, then you're going to lose the game because the solution has to be agnostic of you. There has to be a plan, a protocol, yeah. a journey. And then you get them in and you introduce community for accountability to get momentum. And yeah, I I love that, man. I absolutely love that. And so when you think about that, right, there's so much when automations and so much with, you know, interactions and there's possibilities galore for like, where should I be human? Where should I automate? Where should I have tech? Where should I have a person? Yeah, right. (laughs) It's really mind blowing. And it happens. There's a a fair bit. (laughs) It's internally to the company, but it's also externally to the customer or the potential customer. Like, how much of my customer service should be bot related versus human related? How much of my social media posting should be automated versus human? How much am I responding? So, like, when you think about that, and I think this is a really good rabbit hole is like how do you prioritize which one and like what are your determinants for like should this be automated should this be tech should this be human like how do you see that and then how do you decide and put that into practice i'm not a big fan of automated support tickets and support like bots and stuff like that in in terms when you've got paying customers because i think if they put their credit cards details down you should have enough respect to at least have some human answering a question yes um and uh, that can be someone that's knowledgeable that is on four dollars an hour in the philippines that's absolutely fine that's a human experience mm-hmm. um and you've got to absolutely leverage it especially in the SaaS world i get it you know you don't have time to be sitting at the computer helping everyone um so absolutely there should be some human experience and within the community itself you know, there needs to be obviously people in that community and you nailed that word, buddy, accountability. And that's what people stay for, the accountability, the community, the support aspects where people can help each other as much as you can have your own input. Um, but in terms of the automation side, that is really important as well. So like with the course commander software, for example, one of the things that we have really kind of doubled down on is the ability to um, be able to email uh, members when they haven't been logged in, say, for example, like two weeks, um, an email goes out to them, say, hey, is everything all right? Um, do, do you need any help with anything? You know, that should be automated, all of mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, those email touch points. Um, also, you know, if you're adding new content or um, keeping that, that sh- should be an automated way to do that. So there is a good fine balance there, buddy. But the reality is as I said, people will stay because of the human experience um, because there's only so much content and value you can provide through content. Let's face it. Um, No matter how good it is, it will wear off. 
Totally. I mean, I think about the amount of products in my life that I complain about, but my endowment is too deep to change because I like the community or I'm like, yeah. it's okay. I, they do all of this. Right. Like I make excuses for other companies so I don't have to change their product. Nice. Like, like, and I think, but what that really is a testament to is how they make us feel. Right. Yeah. Like these are companies I feel a part of. I feel like they've thrown a gift into my box to me. I feel like they respond to my emails every time. Like it's my coffee yeah. shop. Like, my coffee shop's expensive, but yeah. there's like 21 employees and every one of them knows my name. And like, that's a big difference when people come to town and like, where should I get coffee? I'm like, go here. They're like, that's um, the furthest one away. I'm like, go. And I was like, if you go anywhere coffee. else, don't bring that shitty coffee in my house. Like I fight for them <laughs> hard. Love it. And then Love I was it, like, though. even today I was like, you guys should give me a discount. I send you so much business. That's mind blowing. They're like, we know. And I was like, yeah, but don't change anything. Right. But I think, I think you nailed that. Right. So what I'm hearing you say is like, and the, and the core of all of this, Jonathan, when it really gets down to it for you, I think it's really, really simple is that human is at the core of everything and cut all the yeah. bullshit away. Right. And yeah. like, let's be really, really clear. Be open, totally. have a relationship with your customers. They give you feedback on something with no fluff that can help them figure out mm -hmm. how to fix it and then not let it happen again. Automate mm -hmm. the things that should be automated. Automate the customer journeys. Automate some of the accountability. Automate the things that help them achieve the desired result so you can yeah. serve that one-to-many and create that semblance of safety and then yeah. ensure that you have the time or the capacity to be human. Customer support tickets, responding to emails, responding to social media because yeah. in my opinion, those are the instances that are going to keep them in momentum and help get them unstuck that an automation couldn't do. Absolutely, brother. And those people that are helping on a human level, they need to buy into the culture of mm -hmm. the business and the core values of the person behind it, pulling the strings. Um, because, you know, we, we, like say, um, I mean, you know, touch points better than anyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, customer experience journey, you know, you are the master when it comes to that. Um, but what I see with a lot of businesses, a lot of small businesses, is they're trying to grow and scale without giving a shit about the customer journey. Yes, and that's the problem, and that's and that's and then they're coming across inauthentic, um, you know, and almost kind of a bit scam worthy because they're getting big, but the the customer is like their their revenue is going here, but their customer, you know, yeah. um, satisfaction and is everything is going down. But it's, it's, it should be level. Yeah, as you get bigger, the customer support and attention should be it should be level. It shouldn't go that way. Yeah, um, yeah. The one thing that drives me, cards. yeah, the one thing that drives me fucking nuts is when a company is built on relationships, right? They're like, hey, we're this SaaS company, we're this product, we're this service, we're this membership. You're a founding member. We love you. We love you. We'll always be here. And then as they get bigger, they decrease. Yeah. the time in relationship. They're like, hey, you run a platform and you make money on our platform as an entrepreneur seven days a week, but we're only going to have customer service Monday through Friday, nine to two <laughs> in India central time, even though you're in California. I'm like, do you know how much money I generate for you a month? Like I can't. And like there's yeah. times where I've like waited three days to get something yeah. tweaked that I didn't have access to tweak. But I think what you nailed there is that like, it actually isn't building and scaling if you're not deepening the relationship with the customer. You're creating a liability. It's just not realized yet. Yeah. Yeah. You're creating a fake business in, in, in a sense because yeah. it's not a business built on happy customers. And if it's not a business built on happy customers, then it's just, just a, you know, a time bomb. So it's not a business. <laughs> it's not a business. It's not a business. It's just numbers. You're playing the numbers in the stats game. And it goes back to what we're saying about, you know, the hypey, noisy, inauthentic type businesses marketers that you know across our social media feeds they're doing that they're playing the numbers game they're building their business on their bottom line the numbers the users but the customer support and we all know who they are are absolutely lacking to you know just incredibly incredibly poor uh yeah. I, just, I can't emphasize that enough for yeah, what they're one, charging one of my, one of my friends um gareth Everhart, um, Everard, who um, launched, uh, Gareth launched the, I got his last name, except I don't know why, launched the Get Keto device, had a ra razor company, Rockwell Razors. And he oh, said yeah. this amazing thing to me uh, at one of our mastermind events. He said, there's only two things you can innovate on. You can either innovate on product or customer experience. And he's like, right. and when you really get down to it, there's not much product innovation left, right? Like you said this, there's only a certain amount of information, only a certain amount of ways to do it. 
And so what yep. you're left with is the one thing that you only you can uniquely innovate on at a level that nobody else can do, which is customer experience, which is relationship-based. Yeah. And it yep. sounds like what you did with Course Commander is you're like, okay, how can I remove all the distractions that prevent entrepreneurs from being in a relationship? So here, build your website. Here's your landing page. Here's your membership software. The automations are handled for you. Now spend all of your time building relationships with your customers, potential customers, and you do that through your community. Yeah, because it's, that's what people remember, isn't it? it yeah. They remember that those actual human touch points and it's like it doesn't matter if it's software or you know a service or whatever it can be anything program it's you know it's coming across like you give a shit and actually asking questions and um, getting feedback um because look at the end of the day customers you know are they're multi-customers they have yeah. their credit cards in many companies you know they forget about you it happens yeah what you don't want is them to forget about you and for you to not have actually um touch base with them um, because every time, and this is one thing I also learned about the customer support side of things is every time you get in touch with a customer and they've forgotten about you, that's actually a tick. That's like a, a tick of credibility, a stamp of credibility in your favor because they've got, Oh my God, I forgot, but they didn't forget about me. And it's that kind of sort of mindset. Um, so and it's a bit like, you know, when people think I'm emailing people too much. Well, actually, you know, they're only going to see one or five emails probably that you send that week. Um, but they'll kind of go, oh, they haven't forgotten about it. They're still emailing me really good content, even though I haven't been engaging in it. It's yeah, the I've same type of principle. I've never seen a customer get pissed. Like, I'm so mad that you helped me so much today. Yeah. God. Like, I'm so bummed that you made content. me feel so good five times in the last week with your email. Like, I'm just so pissed that you added so much value to my life. Yeah, you're you're a you're a value thief. Well, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you want to know why people complain about email when you send them shitty emails too much, right? And try to transact yeah. and don't have that depth. And so, yeah, man, I love it. So, Course Commander is it live yet, or it might be live? It's live at the end of this month, fella. Uh, we're going to be um, just working like we're doing some iterations now, and with a lot of. Um, pilot users if there's anyone watching this that wants to jump in and try it out um two weeks and without want just go and try it we'll set up a mini facebook support group and um you know if you're looking at a website landing page or course or anything like that or would like to try an alternative to what you're using for any of the <laughs> reasons that we've spoken about today um then absolutely be uh, delighted to set you up with an account just for a couple of weeks and see what you think and what's um what's the name of your facebook group because your facebook group is fun i i have fun contributing into that group and you know calling the the bs marketing up but what's the name of your facebook group yeah and i love your input buddy uh it's uh, no fluff marketing for awakened entrepreneurs yeah no fluff marketing so if you're not awakened, I don't know why the hell you're listening to this podcast because you are because <laughs> you're here. Um, but and we yeah. do know fluff. So so one of the things that I want to end with because I really value your input and opinion. You have a lot of experience here. You've helped so many people, and you really give a shit. And I know it because we're we connect personally on a lot of different levels. But if you could leave anybody like from this point forward, like I have customers, I have a service-based business, I'm going to be marketing for the rest of my life. Like what is the one thing that no matter what they should focus on and how can they focus on it that will improve upon their current game when it comes to marketing or relationship building? Like what are some of the things that you would leave people with so we can make sure that we're improving upon the silence for them? Yeah, I, I, I would think first of all, get clear on exactly, you know, what your vision is for your business and how that merges with your life and you know look at really dig deep do the exercises do the work to find out what your real purpose is and why you're doing what you're doing because when you've got that clarity then you can other doors will open for you in terms of what type of platform you should be using how you should be showing up your own core values how you want to um, jam with your audience type of audience that you want to connect with and um, also, you know, like we talked about earlier today, brother, the collaborators that are going to align with your, you know, energetically uh, to help you get there. So that would be, yeah, just my simple kind of uh, pearl to finish on. I love it, man. I like, I'm thinking back, like this felt like two minutes to me. I was like, oh, we talked about, <laughs> I'm like, can't even remember a lot of it. I'm like, oh, we talked about, okay, yep, that's a good thing. Yep, that's a good thing. I have no idea what I'm going to put in the intro of this episode. Uh, it always does. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like great. Five minutes. 
It's great. No, I yeah. love it. I love it. Um, and 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 man, listen, such wise words. And you know, for everybody listening, uh, go join the Facebook group, No Fluff Marketing uh, for Awakened Entrepreneurs. And nothing then, to do with coffee. Nothing, nothing to do with coffee. But caffeine will give you more energy to engage in those it human would. relationships. Absolutely. I'm just practicing my wittiness and how quick I can respond for my future and never standing up on a stage and telling jokes. Honestly, mate, it's it's a lost art for you. I know, I think I you know what's funny is like probably more po- the podcasts I listen to more than anything are comedian podcasts like Joe Rogan, Theo Vaughn, yeah. like those guys. Yeah. Like I just love having humor in my life and I love some of them and so I'm going to take I'm going to yeah. I make the world of like marketing comedy, right? Just fluff those tools yeah. in. Um Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so uh, everybody check it out. Thank you as always, Jonathan, for being here. I, I really do I appreciate the the down under approach to doing the same thing on the opposite end of the world and us, you know, being able to drive with it. And so for everybody listening, human relationships, people add value, get deep, and uh, do everything Jonathan said. And if it's go back and write down those questions for testimonials, whether it's like getting crystal clear on your intention, forgiving yourself, letting go of the insecurity, realizing that your gift is there to be shared, designing a customer journey, like it's loaded with nuggets. So I would pick one and I would go to town. Totally, man. And so uh, one last thing, any parting words, if you could leave anybody with anything, what would it be? Oh, really, I need to get my coffee in now anyway. It's uh, hitting, what, half 11 here in Auckland. So um, my last word, just just to really to add to layer to what you've actually just said so well anyway, is stop thinking of yourself as B2B or B2C. Start thinking of yourself as H to H, human mm. to human, and then watch the results. Well, I'm not going to take away from that. Remember that everything is H to H or human to human. And so this will conclude another episode of My Mind Belongs in a Straitjacket on the Mind of George Show with my good friend Jonathan. Make sure you check him out. And we will see you guys in the next episode. So time to cue the outro now. Cool, man. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and, quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.